Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm happy to have you with me today. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm here with my husband, Eric, and we're going to have a conversation about what it's like to parent children with special needs, specifically children um, with autism spectrum disorder. And Eric and I have been married for eight and a half years. Yep, eight and a half years. And so from that, I have an 18 year old daughter and a 16 year old son and a 13 year old son and a four year old daughter. Not from that, you had them before. Yeah, (laughs) that's true, that's true. So I guess what I'm saying is we're a blended family. So I wanna talk a little bit about that and what that looks like um, when you're bringing someone new into a household that functions like ours does. Or, and sometimes doesn't, (laughs) right? (laughs) Maybe. So thanks, love, for being here today and um, allowing me to have this conversation with you. Does this mean someone just canceled on you and I was home? (laughs) Is that what's really happening? (laughs) No. I like on the talk show host where, like, they have that guest that always shows up when their guests cancel on them. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe it will be in the future. Oh, man. Nope, no one canceled. I really thought this was important for people to listen to, for people to learn from, and me. So I want to start by asking you to talk about what it's been like, what it is like to be a stepdad, and also particularly a stepdad to children with special needs. Those are probably two questions. I guess better than I thought would be the answer. I remember I read... So when we, when Michelle and I were dating, she lived in the Bay Area. I lived in Denver, and I was traveling for work. So I was always flying every weekend to see her. So I, I got all these books on blended families and being a stepdad, <laughs> and they painted such a bleak picture. I remember I would always show up, and you'd pick me up at the airport, and we I'd just be depressed. He would, it was so sad. He'd be depressed, and we'd have to. The drive was about thirty minutes or yeah. to forty minutes, depending on traffic, and we'd just have to hash out what he read and what we were gonna do about the information that he read. But I was super impressed. That's when I knew, I think I need this man in my life and in the lives of in the lives of my children because he took the time to learn and study about uh, step parenting. But you know what they say, right? So like disappointment comes from unmet expectations. So I came in with expectations pretty clearly set that this is gonna be hard. Yeah. Which is helpful because it has been, I mean, his parenting in general is not easy. Yeah, right? yeah. So I guess the stepchildren question, I mean, we have Grace, who's four, who's our biological child. So I guess that's my experience with like, it's kind of the same. I don't feel like it's that much different at this point. Yeah. But I think early on, I don't probably, I I think I've told you this before, like I love them just as much, but I feel like I have to earn their love more. Mm. Like they don't just automatically love me because I'm not their dad. Yeah. So there's not like this bond where they instantly respect me or have some sort of connection with me just by default for being their parent. Mm-hmm. So I think as a step parent, you have to work harder. Oh, yeah, I agree you, with you've that. You've got to be a lot more careful. I mean, we talk, you know, just general things, right? This is not like bits of wisdom, but like the whole concept of like the bank and putting more deposits in than withdrawals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Early on with step kids, you really got to be thinking about that stuff because if you come in hot and heavy with the discipline, and you don't have that relationship to lean on. I think that was something that we had to hash out 
quite a bit early on. Yeah, we did. I actually yeah. think something that we did that worked well for us is we kind of created a system before we ever got married. We talked about from those books that you read, we kind of talked about ways that you had been disciplined as a youth and or as a child in ways that I had been or hadn't been. And we kind of tried to mesh and kind of come up with a little process together. We created a family motto. We said Williams and Portlocks are honest and kind. And we created that with our kids. We really wanted them to feel like we were all in this together. So before we got married, I actually um, I actually tried to implement some of the techniques and some of the um, things that Eric and I had talked about together because I wanted it to come from me and not be a huge change from the two of us together. I didn't want the kids to see that life was changing in a big way due to Eric. I wanted them to see it start changing with me. So it didn't seem so... Well, Brill always reminds me that she hated me because I made her move to Denver. So there was already enough change, <laughs> just inherently. I know, and now you're best friends. But one thing I remember from those books was they talked about one of the themes in these step parenting books was you have to be pretty intentional early on as to like what type of step parent you're going to be. And are you, you know, there's, and there's variations and none are right or wrong, but you know, the step parent that's just there and you don't discipline, you're just there to support the biological parent, or are you going to be full on parent or mm -hmm. somewhere in between? Mm -hmm. You kind of have to decide early on and we decided yeah, we're just going to do full parenting. Yeah. Right. But in saying that, I remember talking to my friend when we were engaged. I remember you came to visit and one of the kids did something that was, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't great behavior. The yeah. They probably punched you in the face or something yeah. cute like that. Yeah. So, um, and I remember you stopped and disciplined. You just said, nope, you can't do that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but you disciplined. And I wanted to be okay with that, but it was so weird to me. And I remember going to my friend and saying, what do I do about this? This is just, he disciplined one of the kids and it just felt, it didn't, I didn't like the way it felt. I didn't like having someone else discipline the kids. And my friend said to me, well, get over it. Because if you want him to play that role, he has to have a role in all things. And you guys can create your disciplinary plan together and be a team, a united front on the disciplinary um, level. But I, she told me I had to get over that. And that if I wanted to allow Eric to play this role, this strong stepfather role in their lives. Emphasis I, on strong. <laughs> I needed that I needed to allow him in. I needed to allow him into that space, into our lives. And so that was a good lesson for me because I realized I had some adjusting to do. But to the second part of your question, though, which is probably the more interesting part for those listening to a podcast like this. Mm -hmm. We didn't know they were special needs when we got married. At least yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, it wasn't like clear now i know we knew like you know brielle was eight sawyer was six drew was four ish three yeah three right and mm -hmm. so so you knew with the history with brielle you know with sensory stuff but like mm -hmm. she didn't have an autism diagnosis that wasn't really 
on our radar that I recall. That's true. So I kind of feel like we went through that journey together. And so, you know, we had this thing where we tried to figure out the blended family. And while we're figuring that out, the autism part came in. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was just an, it's just an extra degree of difficulty. I mean, Mm -hmm. so Michelle and I have very different parenting styles. We come from very different backgrounds. It's almost comical, right? She always talks about how her dad had on the fridge. Few rules, high expectations. Which basically means they just roamed the neighborhood like (laughs) wildlings and did whatever they wanted. And maybe they showed up at home at night. Maybe they didn't. I'm sure, Billy, I'm sure that's not true. I'm just saying that's kind of the impression that I get. Because that extreme compared to my family where we didn't really... I just thought we were more traditionally strict, right? Mm-hmm. You know, expectations were clearly set. There was very, there was discipline if you didn't meet those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we had that clash of just styles right yep. away. And the first thing I learned with our children, and, and I say our children, yeah. just because they're it, our it children. Feels like they're, we're raising them together. Mm-hmm. Is everything you know about normal parenting, all the parenting books that I had read, you basically just throw those out the window when you're dealing with kids on the spectrum because mm-hmm. any negative consequences or discipline or, you know, just lecturing or setting, trying to set normal boundaries, it became pretty apparent the first year or two. Like, that just didn't work. Right? Yeah. It just wasn't received well. And I don't think it's just because I was a step parent. I just think it's because it's not how they receive feedback mm-hmm. it's not what they responded to yeah because they didn't respond to that with me either not just yeah. you as their stepdad so you're right you're right so one of the things that eric and i learned together was that our kids thrive off of and i think all kids but particularly children with special needs and autism spectrum disorder they thrive off of um positive feedback Lots and lots of positive feedback. And oftentimes, instead of telling them, stop doing that, we say, here's what I want to see you do. We flip it a little bit and say, hey, can you please, or I would like to see you do dot, 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 whatever that may be. Because sometimes we say, you need to stop doing that. But it doesn't really ever go over as well as telling them what we want to see as opposed to what we don't want to see. So that was something we've learned over time. And then punishment is really challenging with these kids. And I don't know if you can even call it punishment. What would you call it? Not punish, but discipline, right? Like taking away privileges Mm -hmm. when they do certain things. I mean, we do it. Right, because mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of have to, but it's mm-hmm. not effective. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like it's a good deterrent to them. Yeah. To to change behavior, which is really the ultimate goal. Yeah, they're right? just kind of so, because the kids they stop doing it, but they're just upset about not being able to do it. Right. They look for the next door to open. Well, that's a whole probably different discussion on why there are parenting techniques. It's some, is it a power play? Is it just to say this, you know, just to hold the line of we will have order in this house? <laughs> Even though, again, like if it's not changing behavior, it's probably a bad parenting technique because it's that's really the only goal. Yeah, that's true. So we've learned a lot over the years about parenting and combining our styles so that there's like a happy medium. And let's just be real here. We're not, we don't always get it right. 
If Eric says he's going to do something, he follows through 110% of the time. And if I say I'm it's going impossible, to... It's impossible. Only, only 100% is an option. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. <laughs> clarifying that. Yeah. But if I say I'm going to do something, I'm probably 9 out of 10. Sometimes 8 out of 10. 7. 7? Oh, seven. shoot. Did I rate myself too high? <laughs> So anyway, I try to be consistent. This is what's so funny about this is my master's degree is in behavior therapy. So it has helped me be more consistent. But I'm telling you that because I teach parents about consistency in parenting and setting boundaries for your children that are appropriate for your child and their learning styles and their social emotional state. And yet it's still something that we work on in our own home. So it's like I can see the right thing to do, but implementing it isn't always foolproof. So it's kind of tricky for me. Eric does it better than I do. <laughs> yeah. To that point though, like, so we have two on the spectrum, right? And mm -hmm. I think this is obvious, but they're completely different in, in like how they manifest their autism yeah. is very different. So how we handled Brielle and like what we're trying to figure out with Drew is night and day, right? It's just yep. not the same. Yeah. And there's lots of dynamics. Like I feel like we have the normal father figure, daughter relationship is usually more kind in the teenage years than like the mother-daughter relationship but, <laughs> but the mother-son relationship like you tend to be handle the boys much better than I do yeah right yeah that's true so, although I will say that as Brielle has gotten older well she still absolutely loves and adores you and calls you for all kinds of advice but um, I think that the two of us have kind of mellowed out a little bit. Not that we fought a lot, but we were trying to, I think I was, for me personally, I was trying to understand where she was coming from. And I didn't always understand the way she approached things. And that was a lesson for me to stretch outside myself and what I know to allow her own decisions and choices to be to be okay and not judge her for it. Yeah, and with her, like, we always joke that she's like a cat, right? Like, on her terms, she'll come to you when she's ready mm -hmm. and you can engage in whether it's feedback or discipline or dialogue or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. When she's ready to receive it. Mm -hmm. And so we figured that out. and You figured I, that out and you taught me. Right, so we could <laughs> wait. You know, it's always timing, right? Yeah. It's Timing seems to be so important with her is like when we're... However... We've tried that with Drew, and I feel like it's never, it's, there's just never a moment where he comes for it. Yeah. Right? Where, where she would actually, at some point, seek. engage and seek you out, and yeah. like, we'd have a conversation. Uh huh. And I don't, and so Drew's different that way, so that's why I think we're still trying to figure that one out. Yeah, we're still trying to figure it out, and he's 13. So don't be too hard on yourselves, parents. We're working on different things right now. Maybe we'll talk about that in the future when we think we have a better handle on it. So I have, I have the opportunity to say what just happened right now. To you guys, this is all instantaneous, but we just had a really deep, insightful, brilliant 15-minute <laughs> conversation about all sorts of things that you would have found extremely helpful probably would have changed your lives but michelle did not hit record for that part of the conversation and we just realized it so we are going backwards 15 minutes i have no idea what we already talked about and what part we talked about that wasn't recorded so if we repeat ourselves i apologize in advance 
And we're just going to jump right back into this other abrupt question that hopefully makes sense in context, and then we have no idea. So now back to the questions. What do you wish you had known earlier on in parenting our children with ASD that you eventually learned? Oh, uh, I mean, everything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it'd be easier to know all of it up front. You probably would have done a better job and been more aware of things early on. And yeah. You always worry as a parent that you did damage by doing things wrong when they're younger. You <laughs> That's so true. You know, you can't fix. You just, like the quote you have up in your office, right? Do... Yeah, when you know better, you do better. Yeah, do the best you can. Know better, do better. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think just, I mean, I talked about expectations earlier, right? I think it would have been easier to know going in to have expectations where you're not going to have some of the relationships that you think you're going to have and they're not going to react certain ways. And, you know, you, you, you try to push your kids into, like, being, I mean, like, Drew's super athletic, right? And you have dreams of, like, he's going to, play basketball and he's going to succeed there and you have all these expectations and and maybe this is crazy right but like pure i wish i would have known puberty how much that was going to affect our kids because i feel like it's like a switch flips yeah it's true when they hit puberty and they turn into different again probably most kids that's true for right i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people go through a lot obviously a lot of people go through a lot of changes but Mm -hmm. like drastic yeah, we've had some drastic changes, specifically with our son, that um, once he hit puberty, he just kind of... All of his interests changed, mm-hmm. and like the The way he socially interacts, yep, his mannerisms. Is, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of those things changed. So you wish, you, I mean, you want to prepare for this stuff, you want to educate yourself, so I guess if we're learning, as, I'm learning as I go, <laughs> you know a lot more than I do. <laughs> Uh, I'm always looking at you like you're the expert. (laughs) You tell me what I'm supposed to do right now. (laughs) But the funny thing about that is I can read and read and read. And I so I have the information in my head. I've studied. I've read. I've gone to school. We've experienced. But my point in talking about experiencing is that it's not really until you're right in the thick of it that it all starts coming together. You're like, oh, this is why. And this is what they meant by watch out for puberty because some of those social emotional deficits really kick in at that point. And um, also just some of their interests change. And I think, like like you said, that that kind of happened with me. And I, I'm neurotypical at least I think I am <laughs> I've been the same since I was 10 years old yeah <laughs> four-year-old man when I was 10 I know <laughs> I can see that totally see that so but I think that um the point is is just I would say keep educating yourself keep on yeah. learning keep it's, I just wish I mean there's a lot of things I wish I knew and it's still I wish I, I could know I think a lot of like a, a lot of this is just a ball of yarn. You wish you knew which was autism and what was just teenage angst mm-hmm. and what were other issues mm-hmm. and really trying to like break those apart and be like, all right, this is because she's autistic or he's autistic and this is because he's a teenager mm-hmm. and this is normal and this is kind of normal but amplified. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to really just figure all that out. Yeah. And, which you feel like it wouldn't be that important and maybe it's not that important, but it helps me 
know how like how patient I need to be, what I need to be correcting versus what I need to be understanding of. Yes. Right? There's this line of like, okay, is this behavior that I should be trying to help them change or is this behavior yes. that's probably not going to change overnight and I just need to like, like I said earlier, put that over on the corner. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And then I wish, I think a lot of the anxiety of a parent, obviously, is impossible, but you just want to know how it's going to work out. You do. You just want your kids to be happy, and you just want to know, will they make friends? Will they get a job and be able to support themselves? Mm -hmm. Like, if you, you just want some comfort that, that, that yeah. this is going to work out. and Yeah, we'd love our crystal ball, wouldn't we? Yeah, because it's hard to... It's hard to see where it's going sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you'd like someone to say, guess what? You're on the right path. And in five years from now, wait till you wait till you see what shows up in five years. But the reality is we're picking and choosing therapies that we feel and that the medical profession feels are most beneficial for our children. We're watching them develop and grow. And there's a lot of trust and a lot of faith in the process, don't you think? Yeah, that's another thing, right? I, my impossible wish list of things I wish I knew or knew before, I wish I still knew, is what therapies would work and which therapies wouldn't work. Yeah. Not even medication. Like I feel like, you know, my pet peeves are, the, at, at least with medication, you can tell if it's working or not. That's at least true. there's like criteria for success or not. But a lot of these therapies, I feel like you go in and you're like, how do we know if this is working? What? Is supposed to change and you, you put a lot of money and time mm -hmm. into something and like you're two months into it you're like is this working yeah do we know how would we know and like seems like a great gig to get a job where like you can do all this stuff and like no one knows if it's working or not <laughs> but, but i mean i get it right it's just when it comes to this issues of the mind and autism and and mental health like it, there's Sometimes it's just not as black and white as I would like to see things a lot. Yeah. So that's a big thing. I just wish I knew yeah. what they'd respond to, what they wouldn't respond to, what would work, what wouldn't work. When I really, I feel like a lot of parenting is trying everything until you feel like something's working. Mm -hmm. And when you see your child. Or until you run out of money. Or until you run. <laughs> Whichever comes first. <laughs> That's true. Whichever one comes first. Either this works or we're poor. Yeah. So, and maybe both. Maybe you're poor and it works. So, I don't know. But, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety that plays into that. And a lot of hopeful thinking. And you're more of a realist and I'm more of a, this could work. Let's try that. You know, I'm. I'm more of the, let's try this. But what I will say is that from my um, program that I did through ASU, everything in behavior therapy is evidence-based. And so that kind of changed the way I look at therapies in general, is I do like to see, okay, how do we know? And what are we seeing? And how is this effective? I look for research that's been done now for therapies as opposed to um, non-researched therapies. But in saying that, I will also say, I mean, people do things like um, what, like having their kids go and ride horses and things. And there's nothing wrong with that. If your child finds joy in that, it may not even be changing their behaviors that they struggle with, but it can bring joy into their life. And that is what we want to see too as parents. So 
some of these therapies are to help with behaviors and to help with skill sets, and some are just to bring joy into their lives. So there's that. There's that too. So, um, well, I think that we've had a pretty good conversation today. I don't know if people will be interested in what we've had to say, but I am probably because it's our experience. And I know that there are a lot of parents out there struggling to co-parent. And what I can say about Eric is that although we parent differently, we've come to a happy medium and we've really had to work on communicating really well with each other to get there and to try to understand why we're approaching different situations in different ways. And I think that's just life. But when you put special needs, when that's added to the picture, you have to communicate even more clearly and more effectively with your spouse. And what I'm super grateful for is that I'm married to some to a man who, although he's skeptical about a lot of things, he does listen and respect and follow and, and a lot of times lead too. He has these beautiful, fabulous ideas and many times they work out beautifully, much better than all of my researched um, information sometimes works out. So I just think that if you're a single parent, which I have been before, just keep doing the best that you can and try to create a support system for yourself and for your children. And that support system sometimes includes therapists and different specialists that are there to help your children and sometimes it includes family members and sometimes it doesn't because those family members may not be supportive hopefully they are ours are we have great supportive family members and we're grateful for that but that's not always the case so I guess when it comes to parenting, try to be on the same page, try to understand where each other is coming from and have an open mind. And just remember that I, I truly do believe that the end goal is the same. It's just the approach. Yeah. Just thinking about my journey on this with you, right? Like I'm coming at this very much from, uh, I mean, it, you try to ignore it. Like Again, back to the just brush it off. Things are fine. They'll work it out. They'll ch- and I think a lot of people probably struggle with this. It's autism, or they're going to grow out of this. Mm-hmm. And I always tend to towards they'll grow out of it. They'll figure it out. Not autism, but behaviors. Behaviors. Yeah. But I, I mean, when you're living in this environment and you know your children, like you know, right? I can't mm-hmm. deny that I knew our kids needed additional help, and I'm grateful to have you. Michelle, right, would stop at nothing to find things to help them. And I don't understand most of it. And I don't believe in half of it, to be honest. (laughs) But I'm not going to get in the way of finding something that might work. Right. So I feel like my job is just like, yeah, let's do it. Whatever. Right. Like they clearly need something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's out of my. It takes a lot of humility. Right. Like it, you have, I had to acknowledge early on, like, I don't know. Like my, the books I've read, my past experiences have not equipped me to know what to do in these situations mm-hmm. with kids with these, in these situations with kids like this. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, sure. Let's try everything we can. Let's see what works. Mm-hmm. It's been very much a journey. You know, I've, some of it, you're like, ah, waste of time. That, But you don't know until you know. Yeah, it's so true. Right? And I will... F- 
fully admit that we've done some therapies that I think, why did we do that? But we did it because we were in a desperate place. And so we tried certain therapies, which has taught me to look for therapies that have some research behind them. And we can take a look and see what, uh, what growth has been noticed in the past or observed. That's probably the best change that's come to me that where I've changed because of this is because I'm much more empathetic and understanding. Like, yeah, anyone's in a community, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. like, you say, oh, yeah, we're experiencing some of the things, whether it's a religious community or an autism community or just a general parenting community. Everyone, you know, parenting, we love other kids, to, other parents to have kids and, yeah, join the club. Mm-hmm. Stop sleeping and spend all your money on other people. See how you like it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, misery loves company, right? Everyone's like, why do parents want other people to have kids? But it's because we know the joys and you it connects you, right? And so I feel yeah. like I any, anyone with special needs or anyone going through things, I look at it through a very different lens mm-hmm. living this, obviously, than I would otherwise. You do. I have a very special empathy. I mean, you have a deep love for all special needs, all children, especially, especially special needs children. And I feel like I have adopted some of that you've adopted a lot of it you have quite a deep love i will end by saying this that i know i said this in the beginning but my intro and outro music to my podcast were created by eric and he does a lot of my editing he's taught me how to do all of this podcasting and so outside of parenting he's been such a great support and what I wanted to do with this with the navigating the spectrum with Michelle Portlock he has just been right next to me and just really helped me through a lot of this so I think it's a give and take and sometimes I feel like I'm a pretty good taker (laughs) I need to I need to return the favor somehow but I do, I do appreciate you for listening and I want you to know we're working on something and I'd love your feedback. Um, let's see, how can you, you can reach me, send an email uh, to portlockmichelle at gmail.com and let me know what you think. We have considered, because Eric is such a gifted musician and creator of beats right love you're a secret you're having a midlife crisis and you want to be a dj that's right i'm not embarrassed to say it (laughs) but we are throwing around the idea of having children on the autism spectrum come and create uh, unique songs and eric has an entire office full of instruments and and this is really, I really need your support because this would justify me spending a lot more money and a lot more equipment. <laughs> because so. he wants to have, our idea is to have your children and our children participate in creating music together. It'd be one of a kind songs that your child could create with Eric's help. He really is quite gifted um, at creating music. And, you know, they could pick an instrument and Eric would incorporate them playing that instrument into a song that they create together. Or they could sing. Don't even have to play an instrument. Yeah, they don't even have to play an instrument. They could come and shout something out that they love to a beat and turn it into a song. So be pretty fun. So again, email me at portlockmichelle with one L at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts on that. 
if you think that would be fun just say I would love it I'm interested in it and we can kind of go from there so thank you for listening to our podcast we hope that you found this interesting or helpful in some way and if not just turn us off so but come back next week (laughs) thanks again for being here